Look, I am sending my messenger who will clear the path before me. Suddenly the Lord whom you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight is coming, says the Lord of heavenly forces. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can withstand his appearance? He is like the refiner's fire or the cleaner's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. They will belong to the Lord presenting a righteous offering. The offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in ancient days and in former years. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We all have what I like to call liturgies of preparation. The most preparation that takes place in my household happens during the Advent season, and I don't know about you. We returned home last Saturday night, literally Advent Eve, and, and, and the preparation season began, right? So right after Sunday worship, after we had lunch, and in between other things we had at church that evening, uh, we bought a Christmas tree right away that afternoon. Then sometime later in the afternoon, Laura rearranged the entire house, which she does often and very quickly, to accommodate the upstairs tree and, and, and what we, the tree that we have in the playroom for the kids. And, and so all of it rearranged. I don't really know where to sit anymore in the room because it changed, right? But, uh, but anyway, and, and so that's all changed. We put the lights on the tree the next night as they were falling. And then very quickly on Monday, um, then began the preparations of a liturgy known as Cyber Monday, wherein we can quickly order all of the presents for all the people um, and probably hurt the environment by doing it with way too much shipping. But um, that's a concern for another day. And so it's two days in. We're preparing, doing all the things. The Christmas cards got ordered the next night, still taking advantage of those deals that ran somehow magically longer. Um, Special events are coming, all of these preparations happening in this season. And one way that I personally prepare during Advent and that I've been doing, gosh, for the better part of almost 20 years now, is by listening to Handel's Messiah. I sang the Messiah uh, with a Philharmonic Orchestra for four years in college every year. Now, we didn't sing the whole thing. We just sang the parts that you kind of know. But there's all sorts of parts that you also don't know. And it gets really long. And so while I was uh, at Duke Divinity School, the Duke Chapel Choir would sing Handel's Messiah every year in the Duke Chapel. And here's the deal. On a Sunday afternoon, I would always go at like 2 o'clock. And two things would happen. One is that at some point, I would probably fall asleep because it's really beautiful and it's also really long. But the other thing that happens is that you're sitting on a hard wooden pew for three hours. So your butt better be in for it because like, it's a long haul. I mean, it's really long, but I love it. And every word of that Messiah, every word is a direct quotation of scripture. Every single word. So instead of making you listen to all three hours of the Messiah, which was my temptation this morning, but really you should listen sometime. And it's better to go in person somewhere than listen to a recording, but, but you should do it. I want to show you how our passage from Malachi today is interpreted by Handel's Messiah 
and why that matters. So the Messiah is comprised of 53 different movements in three different parts. Right? The, the three parts kind of follow the birth or the, the predictions and the birth of Jesus, then the passion of Jesus and his suffering, and then Christ's resurrection and second coming. That's the way it goes. And the Hallelujah Chorus is actually the end of part two. So it's not actually the grand close, which many find really shocking when they go that there's a whole nother part after the Hallelujah Chorus because that seems kind of like the grand finale. And what's amazing is that in movements five through seven, of, of the text, the verses of Malachi 3, 1, 2, and 3 are directly quoted. And so I'll be honest, I can't read these verses of Scripture without hearing the Messiah in the back of my head the whole time. And so I felt like, well, I had to show them to you a little bit. So I want to have Handel's interpretation of these verses converse with how we look at the idea of preparation in the Advent season. So in the first first part of the, of the fifth movement, the bass solace begins with these words from the prophet Haggai, and they sound, they sound a little daunting. Give me, a, give me a key, maestro. There we go. He goes, Thus saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, yet once a little while, and then he goes like this, and I will shake, and he says shake over and over, lots of times. I'm not going to do it because I'm not that good, but he does it over and over, shake and shake and here's the deal. It's daunting and powerful coming from this powerful base. The key word is shake. He says it over and over, so we should get that. It's going to be a really significant thing that happens. But then quickly, the tone of it changes, and the base quotes Malachi 3.1. Let's see, where are we at? There you go. The Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, who needs delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Thank you. Yes, it's been a long time, y'all, that I've sung that, but I still remember it because I'm telling you, I listen to it every single year. The, the passage, it changes, right? All of a sudden, we're in kind of a happy tone, an expectant tone. There's a great hope. The messenger of the covenant is coming to the temple. Something good is about to happen. In Christian tradition, we viewed this messenger as John the Baptist. That's why this passage is paired on the second Sunday of Advent with the Luke passage we read introducing John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a sign for us, pointing to the Messiah's coming. And for us during Advent, John represents the announcement of God's kingdom that will come in, in mighty with the presence of Jesus. But hold on a second, because John the Baptist isn't just that. Because John also has a message that isn't the easiest to hear. For John's message, every single time that he opens his mouth that we hear about, basically involves these words, repent. Turn around, change your hearts and lives. Here comes God's kingdom. In other words, what John is warning the people to do is to prepare to receive the Messiah. And so then in the Messiah, the next movement, a female voice sings in a foreboding tone, and I'm not going to try to sing like a female here. She sings, but who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? Who, shall, who may abide the day of his coming? It's a reminder that this day of the Lord that is coming is serious business. 
It's not just a sweet little baby coming into our midst. This is the God of the universe we are preparing for. And then, and then, this power female voice sings over and over, for he is like a refiner's fire. And just like we had shake uh, in, in the first movement there that I said, this one, she says fire over and over and over again. The point musically is this, the fire is going to do the job of purifying. Now, this image is not about hell today. It's about the purification of metals. The process of smelting a metal involves heating up that metal so hot, right, that everything other than the pure ore of the metal goes away. That's the image that the prophet Malachi wants us to get. In other words, preparation looks like a refiner's fire. Preparation is hard. That's the message of Malachi this morning. The one you seek, he is coming. So the priests better purify themselves so they are ready to make the offering for you because you can't handle him coming. The civil rights movement undertook immense preparation. They trained for nonviolence before any demonstrations or marches took place. They did this so that Every time that there was an attack or something like that, they wouldn't respond immediately back in the same kind that they received violence. Sam Cooke wrote the song, A Change is Gonna Come, in the midst of this very world. He composed it at the end of, in the end of 1963. In fact, he was inspired by Bob Dylan's song, Blowin' in the Wind, when he heard it. And he said, I can't believe a white guy wrote that song. And he said, so I need to write a piece that resembles that resembles the fight that's going on in our world. And he was also inspired at the time by King's I Have a Dream speech that was given in 63 as well. But Cook knew his song was not going to please all of his listening audience, especially in his third verse when he sings, I go to the movie and I go downtown and somebody keep telling me, don't hang around. You see, Cook and his band had been arrested in October of 1963 after they weren't allowed to stay in a hotel in Shreveport, Louisiana. And this incident precipitated Cook writing this song and even its song's release. That song was going to be released as a single in December of 64, but Cook was murdered just two weeks before it. He never had the chance to see this song become the civil rights anthem the way it did. In fact, it's been on Rolling Stones like number one out of 500 songs before and things like that. Friends, the only way that change is going to come is by preparation. In other words, to receive the Messiah, we best be prepared. I welcome you to think about sports or performance preparation. When you practice something over and over until your mind and your body just do it by memory. My piano teacher growing up had this horrible, horrible practice habit we had to follow called one more, one more time. And in it, you would play a figure of music and you'd play to a certain point and then you'd play it again and add one note the next time. And you'd play it again and add one note after that. And when you're playing a long scale, that's a lot of times through. But here's what happens. I can still sit down and play a piece that I learned 25 years ago because of one more, one more time. It's drilled into my muscle memory. In the same way, when basketball players practice shooting free throws, so that regardless of what's behind them and the noise around, it's always the same distance and the same height, and they just try to get the feel down over and over and over. The change comes by preparation. And then as we move 
in Handel's Messiah, the entire chorus goes ahead and sings Malachi 3.3. They first sing, and he shall purify the sons of Levi. This is sung with a very bouncy and a light tone. This is the first time, actually, that the choir sings in the whole of the piece. The sons of Levi were the priests in the Old Testament. Jacob, just a reminder, had 12 sons. Those become the 12 tribes of Israel, and the, the, the tribe of Levi becomes the priestly tribe. They needed to be purified so that, the piece says, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. This passage is really hard to feel relevant if the purpose of it was describing how the Levitical priests needed purification. It kind of gets in that territory of when we read Leviticus or Numbers ourselves and we say, why does this matter in my life? But they needed purification in order to offer a righteous offering. And what is that offering? I think in the prophet's context, the whole offering was actually the people of Israel. But for us today, I think in a very certain sense, we are the offering. And the way that we are made into a righteous offering before God is by preparation. When Jesus came into the world, the text says his own did not receive him. Their hearts were not prepared for what was coming. The prophet's call to prepare is something that we must heed today. Change your hearts and lives. For when you change your hearts and lives, indeed, then a change can come. Friends, Advent is about expectant hope that believes a change is going to come. And Advent is also about preparation to be ready for the change. So I wonder, how can you prepare? How can you be an offering pleasing to the Lord? How can you be prepared for the change that is coming into the world when Jesus comes? Not just at Christmas, but truly when he returns. Joy to the world, right? That great carol says, let every heart prepare him room. I encourage you to join with the prophets and prepare the room of your heart and life today. Let us pray. Holy God, as we prepare our lives, I ask that in the silence and space of this moment, that we would open ourselves to you to be able to do that work of purification and refining. For God, each of us comes from all sorts of different places with all sorts of different worries and concerns, distractions, and God, what we ask for in this moment is a time to be able to focus our hearts. God, to be able to be prepared for your coming. God, sometimes when we think about being purified and being prepared, it has to do with sinfulness. And God, that is true. We are going to confess sins in a while and ask to be, ask that those are removed as far as the east is from the west. And we know that you do forgive us. But God, other times the purification that we need, the preparation that we need, honestly has to do more with focus. Has to do more with alignment. Alignment of our hearts and lives towards you. God, not outright sinfulness all the time, but just 
an alignment that gets on your way. So God, I pray for each one hearing this word today. God, that you might help us to align our hearts and lives to the way in which you would have us follow in the way of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.